Hey guys, welcome to Two Feet from the Soapbox, a weekly conversation with us, Judith and Justin Sweeney, co-founders of the oil-based cosmetics company, Bubbles and Bombs. In this series, we explore the origin, purpose, and use of our oil-based cosmetics, recording each episode here together in the production studio in New Brunswick, Canada. We also explore wellness beyond the bar, digging into our life behind the scenes as entrepreneurs, parents, and wellness practitioners with a history of mental health challenges. Yeah, and so we're really glad that you're here, and we're looking forward to sharing another weekly conversation. Uh, And I'm excited we're easing into episode episode five with our very first Q&A segment. So uh, we have had a a couple questioners now that we have people listening other than just our sound crew. So (laughs) although they had questions as well in the early days, but now we're getting questions from others as well. And Justin, tell me. What's up? Why did we name the podcast Two Feet from the Soapbox? Yeah, so this was, we had a, a couple questions, but we wanted to pick this one as our first q and I think it, it makes so much sense, right, early in the podcast to talk about this. So there's a few reasons that we went with Two Feet from the Soapbox. A couple of them are very practical and pragmatic. And then there's a, a little bit of a metaphor in there as well. Yeah, there's always a metaphor. There's always a metaphor with us. There's always a a story behind the story. And so practically, I think it's pretty easy. I mean, every time we go to record, we take our soapbox, our soap company that we care about so immensely. We set that just a couple feet to the side or a couple feet behind us, if you happen to be watching on video. And so when we set that down, we are literally two feet from the soapbox as we sit down for these conversations. Another practical reason is I have a bit of an antique soapbox hobby. and We're actually literally usually no more than two feet away from a soapbox, whether in the business or our house. Yeah, in the business or in the studio or in the home. There, you're, you're about two feet from a soapbox uh, pretty much all the time. So there's some very practical reasons that we, we came up with two feet from the soapbox, but there's a great metaphor behind it as well. Well, right when you think about soapboxes being you know getting up on your soapbox so you can share your views with the world and really try to invigorate others right and share your stories and so metaphorically why two feet from being up there sharing our views and we talked a little bit about that in episode one mm-hmm. so we did talk about you know you and I are both introverted you and I both tend to pull back a little bit we have a lot of value to share and we're normally really comfortable sharing it in these types of you know smaller intimate conversations but we often struggled with getting up there and finding our voice and it's funny because you are a fantastic public speaker and I, I I've had that comment before and I really appreciate that because I put a lot of work and effort into it because I was super I I avoided a business degree because I did not want to get up and talk in front of others throughout the and you have to do a number of presentations doing a business degree and that was one of the reasons that I steered clear of that despite having an interest in that space was just being petrified of standing and so with a lot of work and a lot of effort I learned it you I learned how to be very calm, very composed, very well prepared for those kinds of settings. And so it it was easy. It was easy because it was professional. I could work for it, right? And it was very rarely was it my own views and my own experiences and my own stories that I was standing up and sharing a, a lot of, right? And so... Why do you think you struggled so much with sharing your views? Poor self worth 
and maybe a twinge of imposter syndrome. So imposter syndrome being, for anybody who's who's not familiar, a feeling of imposter syndrome is feeling like what you have to offer is not going to be up to what people expect around mm-hmm. you. So you feel like you're an imposter in whatever role you happen to be playing at that point in time. And so metaphorically, we have been two feet from the soapbox. We feel like we've been two feet from the soapbox for, for really sharing our voice. I mean, we could get little pieces of it out through social media sometimes, but it never felt like a truly authentic expression of ourself the way that this audio series is and so metaphorically we're closing those last two feet and we're finding our way to the soapbox yeah i yeah. love it so that was a great question really excited to answer more as the series continues thank you very much guys uh, for the early feedback and so this episode imposter syndrome will come up during one of our stories as we talk about essential oils again yeah. um, but i've got a really good story for that yeah i i have one <laughs> Maybe we start with a recap. Yeah. Let's let's look at episode four. So what did we cover in episode four, Judith? We covered what happens when we inhale essential oils. So we talked about the scent molecules that travel to the limbic system to create an emotional response. We also connected that to reducing symptoms from anxiety and depression. It's really beneficial. And then we also looked at some of the academic review of human clinical trials that supported those claims. So really kind of a deep dive on how essential oils work. Yeah, as it relates to mental health, right? Which, of course, is very much something that that will be a a consistent theme throughout the podcast as we share our experiences in that space, right? So understanding a little more about how, right? So now we know that, okay, great. You can inhale the essential oils. They can help with reducing some of the symptoms of anxiety and depression. They can help promote calmness. And so now that we know that, I think it's going to be really fun to get into how did you and how did we get started with them and how are we using them today so now that we know that in particular with our mental health yeah how do we put them to some practical use yeah right yeah so how did you get started because i again followed you when it came to essential oils so i mean what was your genesis experience with getting involved with essential oils Okay, so when I was, not to drag you guys all the way back, but when I was 18, I started working at a little boutique that sold essential oils. And I think with starting any new position at a young age or any new activity, there's always, you know, a lot of nervousness going into it. So I was exceptionally nervous doing simple tasks like answering the phone or talking to customers or, and it's stuff that I knew, like I knew how to answer a phone and be like, thank you for calling. This is Judith. How can I help you today? But for some reason, I would get so wrapped up in my own head thinking that I needed to know more, which kind of followed me throughout my early career and plays into that imposter syndrome a little bit. And so my boss noticed that I was feeling anxious. I was, you know, the feelings that came along with that, I would get red and hot. I would get stress sweat, which always just makes you feel so uncomfortable through the rest of the day when your pits are wet. (laughs) TMI, but come on, we've all been there. We have a deodorant. We have a great natural deodorant. We do have a great natural deodorant. 
and I, you know, I was getting worked up. I would judge myself before anybody else had the opportunity to judge me as a defense mechanism, which made me a giant ball of nerves and very negative. So my boss recognized this and she suggested that I started using grapefruit essential oil um, mainly because it does have a calming effect and is known uh, to have a calming effect. So I began with a spray. I would spray it on myself whenever I was feeling nervous or upset or overwhelmed at work. And I fell in love with it because... I'm laughing because was that the... I, I feel like it was the happy hippie spray. Is that no. what you called? No, okay, it wasn't happy. No, that was a patchouli spray. Yes. I love patchouli. Patchouli yes. smells like dirty hippies, and it's my favorite smell now. <laughs> but getting back to the grapefruit. So I would spray this spray on myself, and I not only loved the smell of it and what the aroma was doing for myself, but I also loved the routine that I built around it. Whenever I was feeling anxious or worked up, I would take a moment, I would go into my purse, I would spray it on, I would take a deep deep breath. I would, you know, recenter myself, calm my emotions, bring myself to the moment, realize that, you know, my anxious thoughts aren't serving me a purpose. So it was not only the oil, but it was the routine that I built around the oil and being able to take a step back. I credit both of those things. I think both are, and even now, like I, I think that taking a step back to just smell something is just one of the best things you can do. And I'll do it regular. I sniff stuff all day. It's great. <laughs> Our soaps are amazing. So I started using it in other aspects of my life too. I bought a bottle of the pure grapefruit essential oil and started mixing it into like a pink lemonade blend that we actually mm. carry today. And I would put a drop of the pure oil on my scarf or on the collar of my shirt. I would just smell the bottle periodically, especially when going out into social gatherings where mm -hmm. I felt maybe a little bit overwhelmed or before a big presentation at school, I would put a little bit on beforehand. And I found that the routine that I had around using it and the actual influence that the oil had on myself was really positive. I also used it for sleep because grapefruit in particular is one of the very few citrus oils that will not only uplift, but they'll also calm you at the same time. Nice. So it makes it a really good one before bed. If you're having anxious or racing thoughts before bed, if I was having reoccurring nightmares, I would put a drop on my pillow to help me go to sleep. Yeah, and wow. that came in handy with monsters under the bed <laughs> with our daughter that we started utilizing too. So looking back at it, it was a mix of imposter syndrome, maybe questioning your self-worth, you know, like just kind of those struggles that you have as a, when you're coming of age, right? Especially 18, yeah. 19, 20, and you're, you're second-guessing yourself in so many different ways. I mean, even because at the Because at 18 and times, 20, let's be honest, sometimes you're wrong. <laughs> but. Yeah, occasionally, that's right. And so, you know, you were experiencing that, your boss recognized it, and that was the introduction, right? It was just the number of different ways that you could incorporate grapefruit in. And so one of the things that you mentioned was the pink lemonade blend mm -hmm. that we make today and yeah. so we'll include the link to that with the 50% off discount so yeah. if people want to try a blend that's based around that oil and they really want to incorporate it in either with the drop or two on their scarves using it in their diffusers we'll make sure that's there as well to kind of celebrate your your introduction because if it wasn't for that I never would have been introduced to them either no so what was your first introduction into essential oils as it relates to mental health 
That is a great question. And I had the idea of talking about another story when it comes to essential oils. So I think I'm going to talk about two very quickly. One will highlight the safety of essential oils and making sure that you work with them safely and that you do a little bit of research and you kind of read about the specific oils that you want to work with and you understand you know the risks of some of them being skin irritants and some when know, undiluted being very safe yeah. yeah when undiluted especially so for mental health for me I think initially I enjoyed grapefruit, but it was really being attracted to a lot of the herbaceous aromas, Mm -hmm. right? You had a very big love affair for sandalwood in the beginning. Sandalwood, and and unfortunately, I mean, I, I use very little sandalwood now. We have a very small amount here. We don't procure anymore simply because of the uh, the true Indian sandalwood just being endangered over harvested harvested right so we're not using that very much but frankincense right so you know and of course frankincense uh, most people are familiar frankincense myrrh you know the, the the three kings so even at that point in time it was a prized resin uh, a resinoid that people really enjoyed for the aromatic purposes it came into a lot of ceremonies it came into a lot of even Christian ceremonies and you're looking a lot of the the incense that is burned. Mm-hmm. Fun certain- fact, frankincense is used in those ceremonies because, well, for many reasons, but one of the reasons is because it increases how deep you breathe. Oh, really? So for meditation, it just increases your breathing so you can feel mm-hmm. a little bit more calm and relaxed and open to whatever spiritual business you nice. are about to endure. So, I mean, it, it was starting to experiment with those oils, and I, I would agree with you that it was more almost more about the ritual and the routine of doing the research, selecting an oil, doing the research, coming to understand a little bit about it, starting to integrate it into, you know, a a cream or starting to really use it mostly in diffusers and then starting to blend with it. So adding others together, clary sage, frankincense. These were ones that that I really enjoyed. But, uh, you know, at that same time, I was starting to experiment with them in a lot of ways. And I also really like cinnamon. And the aroma. And uh, before you jump into this story, tell me how, because <laughs> <laughs> this is a great story, but tell me how frankincense and those herbaceous and the routines really affected your mental health. So, my mental health, the background is generalized anxiety disorder. And with generalized anxiety disorder, I think one of the most challenging pieces for me was my worries weren't about things, they were about worrying. Uh, which, so you were worrying about worrying. And when you get into that cycle of worrying about your anxiety and then feeling your anxiety and then going, there it is. And then it, it's just a self-reinforcing loop that mm. becomes really hard to break that loop because it's not tied to anything external. It's purely just a, a hamster wheel running over and over and over again in your own head. So, so you it, need something to stop the hamster wheel. Yeah. And so uh, anything that cultivates focus was always really helpful. And I think, again, that's why I mentioned the routine and the ritual and the focus that was required of you know selecting something the depth right like that's where you really get into the moment and that's where you find the details and that's where you save your life and all of a sudden the anxiety starts to wane a little bit because you're losing yourself in the moment and it wasn't just the aromatic experience of that it was all the work that went around it it Mm. was you know selecting blending trying going that smells horrible let's try that over again (laughs) blending trying and and doing that and then finding things that were like oh wow this is great And then, you know, it fills the room for, you know, a number of minutes, you're aware of it, and and 
it's just and nice. And it has the, the chemical reaction within your brain that helps to support that form of relaxation and that calmness too. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that was my, that was kind of how uh, they started to really help with a lot of uh, mental health, I think, initially. Um that was the the way that I was using them, and now I want to hear about the. I want you to tell everybody about the cinnamon story. Yeah, so the cinnamon story is. This is what uh, happens when Justin is left unattended. I was left unattended, and I am very experimental <laughs> by nature. I will try things. I, I am very much an Edison in that way. I will try it ten thousand times to figure out what works, and will just kind of iterate over and over again. And so, um, you had told me to to kind of steer clear a little bit of a, a one oil cinnamon bark. Yeah. Um, and so, cinnamon bark to let everybody know has a constituent called cinnamidiol, and it's one of the most cinnamon bark in particular is one the of the most, most sensitizing or irritating essential oil. Strong dermal irritant, mm-hmm. right? So by that we mean itch, irritation, redness, like very, very quickly uh, when applied undiluted. And I was unaware of this and opted to create a bath bomb that was purely cinnamon bark oil because it smelled amazing. With cinnamon actually ground up and put into it too for a nice little And you were working nursing at this point in time. Yeah. And so you weren't home that night. You were working <laughs> evening shift and I thought for sure I was like ah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna try this out and she's gonna be impressed I came up with my first bath bomb aroma she's gonna be so excited and so I put it in the tub and I got in and so the bath bomb kind of nestled up next to an area of my body that's somewhat sensitive and private uh, let's say and it was like oh this is nice and the aroma is very quite nice and things are quite good but then what happened then I started to have a reaction and it started to burn and it started to burn quite intensely. And it was almost like that game you play when you're a kid, like where the floor is lava, except the hot tub, like the bathtub was lava. Yep. And and so at that point you weren't home, but I was trying to like lean, crawl my way out of the bathtub while trying to find like a shampoo or some sort of thing, something to dilute down the concentrated cinnamon that had been introduced to my nether regions so it was like there I was sitting with a shampoo bottle on the bathroom floor trying to dilute down cinnamon oil uh, and so that's an experience that really you know, olive hammered. oil probably would have been the best uh, you, opportunity I panicked I didn't I was whatever was closest and there was like a, a shampoo bottle that had some some shampoo this is long before we made shampoo burns. you had trouble with that for a few days after too that that it's a yeah. so I mean that was the first time where I recognized like oh okay these aren't just little you know, aromatic, like there are, there are, you know, these are chemical compounds and each one's going to be unique. They're natural and each one's chemical be compounds. Yeah. Natural chemical compounds. And so they're concentrated in a way that you would never find in nature. They're from nature, but they're concentrated in, in a way that you would never find in nature. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why some of them can be strong dermal irritants. And that's why you always want to dilute them down. It's like, yeah, it's like anything. You want to dilute it down and that way you can use it safely and you get the benefits, but it's not so strong. I don't think anybody needs a full dose of cinnamon bark ever. 
No, no. <laughs> and so these were some of the ways that we <laughs> were introduced to essential oils and first got started with them. Today, I think one of the ways that we really use them heavily is with supporting our children mm -hmm. uh, and especially our daughter with her sleeping patterns and a little bit around monsters. And so maybe you can share a little bit about that and then we'll jump into the question for the week, which yeah. is also kind of about monsters. Yeah. <laughs> so our daughter, Kira, she's currently three. And last year, and she is, she is so sweet. She is, we really are blessed. Our kids are pretty awesome. I know every mom says that, but our kids, our kids really are pretty great. Um, she's sassy too, which is just starting to rear its head. So that's going to give us a run for her money. But our daughter is three. And last year was the first time that she had started to mention monsters. So she was afraid to go to sleep. She would constantly, you know, drag out bedtime. Oh, I need a glass of water. I need some nummies. I need, you know, things that you hear of kids doing being like, oh, that doesn't actually happen. No, it actually happens. So they'll, they'll try everything to not have to go to bed. Oh, I want another story. Oh, I want one more hug. So then she started talking about monsters and she was really, really afraid. And she was afraid that there was something in her closet and there was something outside. So I initially started singing away the monsters. So I'd walk into her room and just yell in an opera voice, monsters away. I'm not gonna do it here because it's really embarrassing. But that was working for a while. I would, you know, shout out the monsters and all four corners of her bedroom and peek under her bed and shout it down there. And she was content with that, but it still kept happening. And so we decided that we were gonna put a little bit of grapefruit into her diffuser at night. And she just loved that. And including her in the process of like, hey, Kira, smell this. And she'd be like, oh, mommy, it smells so good. And then I was like, this is gonna help, you know, make all the monsters, you know, disappear. They hate the smell of grapefruit. And she was just so on board with that. And that was, well, a year ago, a little bit less than a year ago. And we really, there's very few occasions that she talks about monsters now. Yeah, there's still fear in the evening and sometimes and uncertainty with the and dark and things like that. And when restless or, you know, having a hard time just kind of catching her thoughts or is extra procrastinating at bedtime will typically put in a little bit of grapefruit in our diffuser and that does usually help calm down and it's not just the smell of it but the smell you know it's uplifting it's 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 happy it's it's sweet but also the ritual around having her help me fill the diffuser with water put in a drop or two you know turning it on seeing the mist she can see the mist from her bed I think all of those things help to really cultivate a better peace of mind. Nice. Yeah, so uh, this episode has really just been about how we use essential oils and the different roles that they've played, how we got started with them, and just hopefully encouraging everyone to be open to exploring different ways for managing your wellness and managing your self-care and managing your mental health. And, um, and really taking the time to think about the routine around it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so for this week, question of the episode, what was a childhood fear that you had? So when I was younger, I remember going to the Ripley's Museum in PEI and there outside they had a big rock climbing wall. And my brother wanted to do it. So my parents paid for him to, I think it was like $5 to go up and down the wall. And he did it. And he was like seven. I think I was five. And 
I was so impressed. I was like, I want to do it. I'm going to do it. And my parents were like, no, like you're, you're going to get like halfway up and you're not going to be able to get, it's going to be a waste of money. Like we don't want to. And I was so determined. I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And they, so they strapped me all into the helmet and the harness and stuff. And I literally got like two feet off the floor and I started to cry and I was so embarrassed and I felt like my parents were upset and I just, I, I just couldn't make it that extra little bit, but my parents were, and especially my dad was really gentle and saying, you know, you tried it, you wanted to try it. You were very ambitious about trying it. You know, it's, it's a shame that you didn't make it all the way up, but Hey, you tried it. And that's, that's the biggest part. So that really kind of, that, that support on the back end really helps my confidence for the next time. Nice. What about you? Yeah, I mean, that was a good single instance of a, a fear. And, and so I had a chronic fear. I had a chronic fear for many years as a child. Very specific monster known as, as the were chicken. The were chicken. The were chicken. And many people are probably unfamiliar unless you happen to watch the Ghostbusters in like the mid to late 80s of what the were chicken was. But it was the epitome of evil when it came to my childhood. It was like the boogeyman off in the corner, like were chicken is, uh, is a, I mean, it's a character yeah. from the Ghostbusters 80s cartoon. And the were chicken was a ghost. Uh, it was a ghost. Now, was this would... from one episode or was this a reoccurring creature? I saw it. It once you saw and it, it once. became a reoccurring creature in my life. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll share a link in the in the show notes so everyone can go and have a look at this thing. I have no idea what we were doing like with cartoons in the 80s cuz this thing is scary. I'm still <laughs> scared today. This came up a couple weeks ago in a conversation and and with so, your mom. Yeah, because when I was a child I would get scared of the were chicken so I would go sleep in her bed and then she would roll over and she was facing away from away aware uh, away from me and all I could see was the back of her head. And I was convinced that when she rolled over, she was going to turn into a were chicken. And so I would sit there all night long, staring at the back of her head, going, "No, I'm not. Like I wouldn't want to wake her up. I wouldn't want to move her. Like I didn't trust anything." It was pretty. It was a little scary at that point in time. Do you still see the were chicken? I saw it like two weeks ago on Wikipedia. It's scarier than I ever would have imagined. I in my head was like, oh, I can only imagine because I hadn't looked it up. Right. I yeah. just remembered the story. So when we looked it up and I, saw, I was no wonder, like no wonder I was petrified of this thing. Anyway, so that was that was my fear uh, when I was younger was the were chicken. So a ghost that would uh, take over a chicken's body and turn into a werewolf type creature that looked like a chicken. That was my scary moment. Thank you for sharing that. That's good to be open. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us on Two Feet from the Soapbox episode five <laughs> and taking part in this leg of our journey. We'd like to hear from the quiet, thoughtful voices out there as well as the loud and boisterous ones. So regardless of your style, please be mindful of others and we will respond to all of your comments and questions. The link to our content can always be found in the footer of our website, bubblesandbombs.ca. To connect with Judith and I, you can also send a voice message at anchor, uh, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M uh, forward slash two feet from the salt box. Or connect with us through our Bubbles and Bombs social media pages on Facebook and Instagram at bubblesandbombs.ca. 
We hope that wherever you're listening today, you get a lot of value and we would love it if you help us empower those with sensitivities by leaving a review on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or whichever platform you're listening to today. Take good care, guys, and be well. Take care.